0: Welcome to the EI Cafe with Azeem, where I'll give a late look back at the lives and business of today's most important elements with emotional intelligence. You will learn how emotional intelligence can be a key factor for your success in both personal and professional life, from leadership, collaboration, organization culture, positive mindset to raising kids. You will hear key life lessons and tips from most prominent personalities, business leaders, Entrepreneurs, emotional intelligent practitioners, and executive coaches from all over the world. So, sit back, relax with a cup of coffee, and let's get into the show. This is EI Cafe with Azim. Inspiring people, made more impactful with our knowledge partner, Pick a Book. So, let me tell you a little bit about Pick a Book. It's a global book reading movement that inculcates the habit of reading in each and every one of us. If you are wondering why this happens, it is simply because we are living in a generation where we are getting lost in technology and most of them don't even see it. People tend to lose the importance of reading a book every now and then. As a book reading club, we try to inspire and change participants' self by engaging them in a habit of reading. If you are interested in getting no know more about the global movement, do get in touch with them via Facebook or the email, which is reading at pickabook.club. And if you're interested in taking Pick a Book as a franchise to your own city or country, do get in touch and let us know. And we would love to encourage people to get into the habit of reading. Pick a book, a global reading moment. Watching a once successful leader derail can feel not like watching a bicycle crash. Uh, By the time you can see the wreckage start to happen, it seems it's like too late to stop it. A derailing leader often has a negative impact on subordinates, colleagues and the entire organization. To limit it, we need a solution. Something better than yelling out, like, look out, we need to expect the crash before it starts. A very warm welcome to the show, and I'm your host, Azim Sahir, a human capital specialist, a Lego series Play facilitator, ICF certified coach, and an emotional intelligence practitioner. Here we are again for another exciting episode, a 30 minutes of valuable learning. In today's episode, we are going to talk something related to leadership, right? Um, keeping leaders on track and spotting the sign of derailment because we have seen a lot of leaders appear, prosper, come up on the top but suddenly vanished or when they change their uh, segment, suddenly they become a failure. The organization falls apart. To discuss this, I have a very interesting individual. Uh, When we want to talk about leadership, of course, we need to have an individual who has grown from the bottom grassroots level to the top. So let me introduce him to you. He's the founder and the destiny architect of Hi-Fi Consultancy, and it's training our Luminary Learning Solutions. Both are based in Sri Lanka. He has conducted assignments in more than 12 countries regionally, and his client will have included World Bank, UN, which is quite extraordinary. And the best part of this individual is, he's is an author who have authored 25 management books which is truly awesome, and the best part is, it's freely available for anyone to read. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Vidusha Nathavitarna, founder and destiny architect of Hi-Fi Consultancy and Luminary Learning Solution. <clears throat> Vidusha, welcome to EI Cafe. Hi,
1: hey, Azeem. Absolutely brilliant to be here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: First and foremost, thank you very much for accepting the invitation and being here. I know it's a weekend and, and we have taken a bit late uh, time as well. So thank you very much for that. Not a problem. So Vidusha, uh, as, as I mentioned on the introductory area, like the topic is keeping leaders on track, mm-hmm. right? spotting the sign of that derailment. We have seen a lot of individuals, leaders, even locally and globally, they prosper become the talk of the town suddenly they start vanishing right so uh, my first question to you is what is your view on keeping leaders on track and why it is really important for, for organization
1: well, i think that's a pretty interesting question in the, in the sense that i think there are two aspects to this right so there is a individual aspect of this and there's also an organizational dimension to it so Obviously, for any leader to be on track and to be relevant, I think that's, that's the key thing, to be relevant. Um, you need to be self-aware to begin with. At the same time, and it's obviously in your best interest to make sure that you're relevant and on an ongoing basis, but even if you did get sidetracked, and even if you did, as you quite aptly put in your introduction, if you see the crash taking place, Sometimes you can see, but you might not necessarily know what to do about it. Now, this is when the organizational context comes into play. So most organizations don't necessarily have systems and processes built in place to keep leaders on track, number one, to give out the warning signals, number two, and to do something about it when the crash does happen and to pick up afterwards. On the one side, you need to make sure that leaders are self-aware and that they can spot these signals taking place um, and and to be aware of it well enough to be able to do something about it. And on the other hand, you should have organizational impetus to make sure that if that is taking place, that corrective action can be taken place. So I I think it is not something that only leaders are responsible for. I do think it is something that both the organization and leaders need to be responsible for. And there is a small aspect to this, and I'll flip this a little bit, right? My question is, what were the followers doing waiting for the leader to fail? Now, we've all heard the story about the emperor and the new clothes, right? Where the emperor walks down the street completely naked. Now, of course, the emperor was a complete idiot and a moron to have fallen for that um, and allowed somebody to fool you that way. But that's what you have a set of advisors for, right? So what were the advisors doing? Simply sucking up to a boss or to the leader and safeguarding their jobs, probably, and and saying exactly what the leader wants to hear. Now, therein lies the third dimension, which is inside the organizational dimension. You need to have people, even if they are more junior to you from the perspective of seniority. You need to have them prepped up enough to call it out. As they see it and warn leaders that this is going to happen. And at times, even if the leader does not take that advice. The strength of the followers should be strong enough to put them on track. So I think it's a multidimensional issue. It's not just about leadership.
0: Okay. If I put on this particular, I I totally agree that followers also need to have a track. Uh, Does the leadership style play a key role in that as well? What if it's like a a more authoritative style? Just do what I say. That's it. how, How do you, how do you, pick up that point.
1: Yeah, good point, point us in, and, and, and again, I think I think most of us, especially if you kind of come from a management background and are and probably a qualification in management, I think it's drummed into us to say that a more participative style, a more democratic style of leadership is probably preferable. And I think under normal conditions, it is. But imagine this, right? Imagine a situation where you don't have time to necessarily talk about your plans, where rapid change is required and you need to simply follow orders. Now, I think the context and the situation will demand the type of leadership you need to be in. The biggest mistake leaders do make is that they have a preference in the site without taking the context into consideration. And this is probably what where what you do come into play big time. Whereas most people misunderstand emotional intelligence into being a nice guy, into being participative, in being democratic, in always listening to people and so on and so forth, right? Which is one aspect of it. And it's absolutely essential that you are that. But emotional intelligence is also knowing when that can't be done, where you do have to call it out and that's what leaders are there for in the first place, right? To take those decisions in the first place when it's required. And you can't always be democratic about it. There are instances in Afghanistan, any type of organization, where someone at the top will have to take a decision, rightly or wrongly. And whether it is right or wrong depends on the outcome, isn't it? Now, if you took an arbitrary decision and it worked out, you turn around and say, hey, you know what, he was a very decisive manager, he was a very decisive leader, and everything will be hunky doing. If it falters, you blame the same decision and turn around and say, you know, the the fellow was a authoritarian fellow. So I think you need to take it in balance, but here's the trick, right? I think rather than looking at a preferred leadership style, what you need to have is leadership at all levels. So that even if at one level, it is failing, There are other levels inside the organization to rectify it and prop it up. Now, if you looked at it from that perspective, all the levels of leadership has to fail for the organization to fail. And I think that's what you need to watch out for. You shouldn't over-rely on one layer of management to take on leadership. It actually needs to be bottoms up. And every layer within the organization needs to have an accommodation of leadership at a certain level in order for it to thrive. So I don't think it's necessarily something to do with a particular style, but I do think it's more to do with a systemic approach to leadership and emotional intelligence being built into
0: it. Absolutely Vidusha. I think I can't agree more on that. Uh, The reason being the leader's role is to create more leaders, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why that uh, the role of being more self aware and build that relationship down the line so that derailment can be spotted by the followers or the, your subordinate and just give a little tip on it. Uh, that, that's why it's really important no, that build in relationship management.
1: No, of course. And, and, and the, the reality is this, as I do think um, even when we're kids, right, um, we're absolutely confident about something that we want to do. And sometimes our parents spot it and call it out. However, if we always listen to what somebody else tells us, we don't grow. We have to make our own mistakes at some point, right? So it's our parents' duty and responsibility to call it out. But I don't think it's fair for them to force that decision. Take a simple simple example, right? And most of us, I think, in this part of the world, Whenever we go into higher education, I think our parents and our teachers have an influence in it. Right? Um, they, they, they have certain expectations. Now, it's perfectly fine for parents to turn around and say, I think you should do science, or I think you should do maths because I think you have a knack for it, or I think you should do whatever it might be. But you have a saying as well, right? Because you're the one who has to take that call. Now, if you agree with your parents, and took on a subject you absolutely hate. And if you failed in it, it's on you. At the same time, if you did what you wanted to do and you failed in it, it's still on you. Right? Either which way, you're the one who has to suffer the consequences. So do you choose the best one? The same you? is true of leadership, right? There's nothing much you can do either which way. Okay. So I think, I really do think, in, in, in leadership positions as well, you need to watch out for people possibly making mistakes, right? So if you're a senior, you can watch your juniors and turn around and say, you know, I think you're going to make a mistake with this. But ultimately, the junior has to take that call because he's the one who's actually doing it. Now, of course, you can use authority and turn around and say, look, if it's a really major catastrophe, you can call it out and say, that's it. Mm. You will not do this. Mm. That's fine. That's if you're a senior. Now, what happens if you at the strategic level are taking that call? Your juniors might actually see you doing it. Very much like when we are at a certain age, when we're about 18, 19 years old. And you relate to this, right? Because our parents still look at us as children. They don't look at us as adults, even now, right? even after having two kids and being 40 plus years old, I think my mother still considers me a baby um, and, and not an adult, right? So if I, I tell my a mother, baby. I Always think you're going stick with it. I'll give you a Absolutely. Always a baby. Always a baby. Let me give you a quick example of something that happened just two weeks ago, right? So my dad has never had any form of asthma or wheezing of any kind throughout his life, and he's nearly 80 years old. Two weeks back, three weeks back, he was breaking cobwebs and started wheezing. And when I went and told my mother, I think that is wheezing, my mother wouldn't believe me. She said, no chance, Apache has never wheezed, so forget it. That night, I get a call at about one o'clock in the morning saying Apache is finding it really hard to breathe. I think we need to go to the hospital. So we took him to the hospital, and sure enough, it was very simple. And at that point, I took over um, and and went and told the doctor this is what happened. And sure as hell, he was wheezing, and we nebulized him, and he was right as rain afterwards. Right now, had it progressed a little further, it could have been quite serious. Right, and this is down to my mother not listening to. Me by virtue of the fact that I was her baby, right? And I think that is that is the point, right? So even so, if my mother can't do that for me, you imagine how difficult it might be for a senior leader to actually listen to a junior level person who had just come into the business for about a year or two and turning around and calling him out and saying, you know what, I think you're making a mistake. The natural instinct will be to say, Shut up and do what I'm telling you to do, right? Now as leaders, you do need to take that into consideration at least to consider it. Forget making a decision of it. At least to consider it. Your are wise to consider it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen. And this is where you really need to kick in at leadership at junior levels where they insist, especially if it's a major decision. And if your senior managers are going to make that decision and you see it failing, then you need to make contingencies on their behalf to ensure if that does happen, you're prepared. That's number one. Number two is even if they don't accept what you're saying, I think you're duty bound to make sure that the decision that was taken, even if it is the wrong one, works. I think that much you must do. You must do your absolute best to make sure it works because it is in your organization's best interest. So I think it needs to balance out both ways. On the one side, as a leader, you need to be open enough to consider what your juniors are saying. On the other side, as junior leaders and as followers, whatever terminology you want to use, you need to be mature enough to understand that it might not be accepted for whatever reason. But should that decision go south, we will be there to pick up the pieces and make sure it is rectified.
0: Nic- nice. So, emotional treated. intelligence are required on both sides of the spectrum. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not only for leaders. That's why we say we workplace behavior is also really important. It comes to like as you say, it's a two way. And I really like the. The story you put on place, like your mom and your conversation, similar happened in the corporate environment. And it is nicely placed for my next question. Here, how it comes to you, Dusha. Um, see, we have seen a lot of leaders who are very much in peak, right? We have seen in the local market as well in Sri Lankan context, even globally, there are giants, leaders, talk of the town, and you know suddenly they get vanished because of some behaviors or unethical actions, right? So, on the other hand, when we say leadership, first two things to come into our mind is integrity and authenticity. Other keywords come to our mind. So, why do they engage in such activities? Is it it pressure to perform as a leader? What what would your take?
1: Again, Azim, I think there are multiple angles to this, right? The first is that um, leaders, when you actually take a look at how they Grew up in that leadership position and in their leadership journeys, I do think that the circumstances and the times also play a part in it. Let's just take simple things that we are we are not finding acceptable today. Okay, there's a lot of focus on empowerment of women. Um, the fact that um, we even in Sri Lanka have some ray of hope that um, women CEOs um, will be a reality, right? We've had our first um, ever group CEO in custody. Now, 25 years ago, if you walked into an organization, it would be normal for you to see a all male board. It was considered normal. It's not considered normal anymore. So times have changed for the better, thankfully. right? So imagine a person who was brought up in that environment because of seniority, who has now taken the help of an organization. You cannot expect him to completely shift and change overnight simply because circumstances and contexts has changed. And his rule book no longer applies. So that's one aspect to it. The second aspect to it is what you just rightly said, which is the pressure to perform is huge. And nine times out of 10, even though we do very much talk about values, values take a backseat most of the time when it comes to performance. And most people will forgive bad behavior if, you consistently perform very well. Forget organizations, right? Let's take a look at sport. How many times have you seen bad behavior from brilliant players, right? Um, How many times have you seen bad behaviors from coaches? How many times have you seen bad behaviors sometimes from referees, right? Because the pressure to perform um, supersedes everything. And most of the time you're forgiven. Let's take a look at Um, people in the music industry, people in film, right? We hear people who consistently show bad behavior, but we forgive them because they're either brilliant actors or brilliant singers or brilliant CEOs or brilliant managers or brilliant people in whatever arena they're in. So at some point, you as an organization need to decide where the rule book is. Now, if you say Values are important and values are sacrosanct, then it must apply across the board for anybody. You start making exceptions to the rule, well, then nobody takes it seriously. So even at home, right, even at home, forget organizations. Tell me how much of a focus you have on the behavior of a child and how much of focus you have on the marks he or she gets. Now, imagine you have two kids. One of them happens to be a really nice, warm, beautiful child who gets average or low marks. Not because he hasn't studied, but because maybe his intelligence is that. On the other side, you imagine your other child is brilliant at school, brilliant at almost everything he does. He's always getting prizes, he wins accolades, teachers love him and all the rest of it. But when he comes home, he doesn't doesn't do anything He's rude to his siblings. He's rude to his mother. Don't you think he or she gets away with it simply because they don't want to disturb him because he's doing so brilliantly well? So I think it is not only an organizational issue. I think it's a it's a it's a cultural and and very much a societal issue which manifests itself inside the organization as well. So there are multiple reasons why senior leadership positions, and when you're at senior leadership positions, you're highlighted much more. Everything you do is under scrutiny. And sometimes I think it's unfair also, you know, because you're under the microscope all the time, right? And where do you draw that line is my question to you, right? Think about it. So let's take a look at a couple of celebrated CEOs, right? Elon Musk, for example. Now, depending on whom you talk about, it with... He might not necessarily be the nicest guy. Steve Jobs might not have been the nicest guy. Now, does that mean we discard them as CEOs? I don't have the answer to that question. What I'm asking is a question in return, I guess, for society to judge that. And if you say that it is not acceptable for such a person to be a leader, well, then the board should not tolerate it, Mm. isn't it? Absolutely. So, you can't have two yardsticks. The issue is that most of the time we take the same fault and judge two people in two different ways. Either because you know mass media and, and everybody loves him, even with his faults, the other person they might not necessarily like him for whatever reason. You can't have two yardsticks for that. So the reason for failure can be multiple. But also, this please note that most, most human beings. When they reach the top are still human beings they haven't reached a level of enlightenment right just because i become ceo or senior manager doesn't mean my you know my intellectual capacity has increased or i have reached a certain spiritual plane you know it doesn't work that way so i think the reason for lots of people going right to the top and sometimes failing I think it's a normal thing. I think it will happen everywhere, in every sphere, in sports, in, in companies, at, at, at society level, at, in politics, in, in every field. Those, the flip side of the question would be, how many people do you know who consistently stayed true to their values and also performed? Very few. Very, very few, right? Now, those people, unfortunately, sometimes we never celebrate. Mm. And because of that, we don't have role models who are both very successful and very principled. Now, we throw this word integrity and and authenticity, you know, authenticity around. You know, but Nobody has honestly turned around and said what honestly authenticity means. Because if you're really authentic, right, you must be able to be yourself in any circumstance. That's pretty hard to do, isn't it? Because instinctively, we will shift and change ourselves based on the situation. The way you would behave at home would be slightly different to the way you would behave at a funeral. The way you behave at a funeral would be slightly different to the way you behave at a wedding, right? The way you behave at a wedding can be very different to how you behave at a boardroom. So what is your authentic self is something that is a voyage of discovery that will take some time. And the issue is that when you reach the top, if you have not taken that voyage of discovery long enough, hard enough, and discover it for yourself. That is the danger. And once again, I honestly think that as much as we put the blame onto individual leaders, I honestly think as collectives, as organizations also, we have a duty and a responsibility to prepare them for that position, not to expect it de facto. I think that preparation is really critical. So if they were well-prepared, I don't think they will be making the fundamental mistakes you just described but if they were ill-prepared well chances are that they would
0: absolutely i think that preparation is what which is required by every leadership uh, and 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 you have already answered my the next question my next question was like about authentic leadership i think you just covered in a bliss uh, connecting to my previous question in that same line um, I would like to ask you in for the benefit of our listeners in your experience, what would be some of the signs of derailment of leadership, right? What are the, you, you've been going through, I know you have been to a lot of organization. You have been a lot of leadership um, consultancy. What are the, some of the signs with your experience? If you could share a couple of just for benefit our listeners. Let, let,
1: me, let me, in the interest of time, let me kind of give you three signs. These are pretty clear signs. The first sign and probably the most visible sign of a leader waiting to be derailed is someone who does not take feedback, especially negative feedback, well. Now, I think feedback is feedback. Whether it's positive or negative is how you take it, right? But if someone calls it out, irrespective of what their position is, irrespective of their seniority. If somebody calls it out and you're not ready to take it, that's a a pretty clear sign of development. The second is someone who's willing to play with the values. Right? So if you're flirting with breaking values, and when you're called out about it, you turn around and say, you know what? I didn't break it. I bent it right? That's another good sign. You're flirting with values then, right? You're, you're playing around with words. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not having integrity like you said, right? It's perfectly fine to break it, provided you turn around and say, yep, I'm breaking it. At least own up to it, right? The third is when you are very, very insecure in your position. And you see that by trying to go after people that you don't necessarily get along with, right? When you see a leader trying to take a pot shot at one of their juniors, that's a sign of you not being comfortable in your own position, that you're feeling insecure in your own position. So if you find a leader who doesn't take feedback, who flirts with values and who is insecure and the way you see that is by not seeing him really take the juniors and groom them. You see these three things taking place, I think that's the time where organizations, HR, and everybody else around them need to intervene. So those are your clear warning signs.
0: Thank you, Vidisha, for sharing for that. I I think clear message is given. Feedback is, I think, one of the key elements we discussed earlier. Uh, with that that openness, which is required by any leadership. So with this, I think we have come to the end of our conversation. Uh, my last question to you is, this is what my key takeaway for my listeners. I would like to take it from the guest. So what is the one thing you could share as a best practice yeah. to stay on track for a leader? You can just say one thing. Right, yeah. So the,
1: uh, I'll give you a tool for this and we use this quite regularly at our programs. Um, it's called the hot seat, right? Um, Now, it's not something that you can do easily. Um, I'll describe it very quickly. So the hot seat is where the leader sits on the hot seat and everyone who's working with him or her gives direct feedback face-to-face, two or three positives and two or three negatives. And the person sitting on the hot seat cannot say a word they can ask clarifications, but they cannot rebut it. They cannot justify it. They can't defend it, right? Now, if you can do that in front of your team, if you can take direct feedback face-to-face, that helps tremendously in building trust, building confidence, building transparency. Now, of course, if you've got really harsh criticisms and harsh feedback, you can't go after the person who gave you hard feedback, right? Remember the third point, right? If you're insecure, you win. So when you're doing the hot seat, my my piece of advice will be, I've seen organizations do this, formally and informally. There are organizations where informally it happens. People walk into the boss's room and tell them off openly. And I've seen this happen, right? Brilliant sign that they are having the kind of leadership culture that they should be having. So my key takeaway for you um, and anyone who's listening in is to be able to have face to face, not 360s where it's anonymous. Face to face, direct feedback from absolutely anyone. If you can just practice that, I think you will succeed. Oh,
0: wonderful piece of takeaway for today's session. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, that's the time what we have um, for today's episode. My key takeaway is the hot seat, uh, which was shared by Vidusha. Uh, and the second one is build that self-awareness about yourself, why you are going to that top. Uh, when you build that, the derailment will be, uh, not be happening. You'll be on track. And the plus the values, when you start building your, your line of work throughout the values, I think you'll be on track and be open for the feedback of your colleagues. So those are my key takeaways. I hope our listeners have got wonderful plenty of takeaways in this short 30 minutes of conversation. Uh, so today's topic was, uh, it's very interesting and needed topic, which is keeping leaders on track and spotting the sign of t uh, My special thanks to uh, Vidusha uh, Nathavitarna, founder and Destiny architect of Hi-Fi Consultancy and Lumi Learning Solution. Uh, you can catch hold of Vidusha on his LinkedIn profile, Facebook or Instagram, and you can just go and Google uh, Books by V, where he has given that open source for anyone to go and check his books. And you have plenty, believe me. Uh, it was a privilege for me to go the two books with him. Thank you, Vidusha, for that as well. So Vidusha, once again, thank you very much for uh, spending a valuable weekend with me at the cafe. Thank you very much. Thank you, Azim. Great pleasure. Just the end of another episode, how to keep on track with your leadership while you take all the pressure and challenges to increase the organization performance. I am for sure this conversation was very useful, especially the hot seat technique. My special thanks to Vidushanath Vitarna, founder and destiny architect of HiFi Consultancy and Luminary Learning Solutions Sri Lanka, for spending his valuable time in the cafe. Stay tuned in for the next episode where I'll be taking up another interesting topic. EI Cafe with Azeem. A 30 minutes of valuable learning. Keep listening, keep learning and keep improving. So that's it for another episode of EI Cafe with Azeem. Thank you so much for tuning in and it's really appreciated. Please subscribe to the show so you get an update on my next episode. Write a review to the show and leave a five star to the show. Please do follow me on social media, Azim Sahil. And do write to me what topic and from whom do you want to hear it from. Where I will try to get them on board for you. Till I meet you on another exciting episode, checking out of the cafe. My name is Azim Sahil. Stay safe and God bless you.